Area 51 is where Francis Gary Powers and the other U-2 pilots were trained in the 50s and where the U-2 itself was developed. The SR-71 spy planes that spotted Soviet missiles in Cuba in the early 60s were also developed at 51. 51 is where stealth technology was nurtured, where Star Wars devices are still tested, and where all manner of CIA monkey business has been plotted and refined. It's the perfect place for secret things, but of course, that's no secret. 51 is ringed by the forbidden vastness of the Nevada test site, by the looming Groom Mountains, and by sparsely populated desert expanses. The few people who do live out here have no love lost for the military, but they're conservative, patriotic, and they mind their own business. You ever see stuff you can't explain? Sure. Lots of stuff. Care to elaborate? No. Welcome to Media Roots Radio. Why is the Pentagon and military intelligence telling us the truth is out there? And yes, both of those clips that you're hearing at the end of the intro are from the X-Files. And the X-Files, other than just being a cultural reflection of UFO lore and conspiracies in the United States... There's also another interesting connection is that Dean Hagland, who plays the role of Langley, of the lone gunman in the X-Files, actually said that Chris Carter, the creator of the X-Files, had a CIA ideas person that would go to all the cast parties. And that Chris Carter, the creator of the X-Files, would take ideas from for show episodes. So make of that what you will. You're about to hear part one of a two-part episode about UFO psyops and this basically giant wave and amount of UFO coverage that's going through the mainstream media right now. Whether you believe in UFOs or not, whether you believe in aliens or not, whether you think that what's happening in the news is some kind of psyop or if it's completely real, you're taking it at face value, regardless of how you fall on that spectrum, Abby and I break this down from pretty much every conceivable angle. We just try to dive into every aspect of it, and we take a skeptical angle, but we still talk about a lot of unexplained stories that we think are credible or that are interesting. 
And if you want to hear part two of this episode, which is also out right now, you can get access to it by becoming a Patreon subscriber of ours at patreon.com slash mediarootsradio. How's everybody doing today? I hope everybody's doing good. How are you doing, Abby? Doing great. Good doing to hear. Absolutely phenomenal. Good to hear. I was excited to get into this subject, Robbie, because I've heard about it just kind of in an abstract way. Thought it was really curious. Of course, my interest was piqued. And so I'm I'm excited to dive in here with you. You watched the 60 Minutes special, and I guess just let's let's just start talking about that because that mm-hmm. seems to be the most game-changing aspect of all this new wave of UFO news is they 60 Minutes ran a completely serious, non-mocking special, like a 10, 15-minute long report where they promoted all this stuff about the Pentagon's UFO investigation unit, and they showed videos and presented very seriously. So what was your... Were you surprised by that when you eventually watched that? Yeah, there were several figures in it that kind of were suspect that I know we're going to talk about. But the most slam dunk part of it was the two, you know, Air Force pilots, I think they were, who were talking about the Tic Tac craft. David Fravor and the other woman. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, no one can watch that and just be like, oh, well, they're lying. I mean, you can't make something like that up and you can't lie like that unless you're a professional actor. And so um, that really struck me beyond just the legitimacy that 60 Minutes was giving the topic. Because, you know, I've, I've heard about the fact that the Pentagon has had programs studying UFOs and stuff. Like you hear about these things in the past couple of years. And I think like back in 2017, there was like videos that came out that were declassified Um, But this was the first time that like a a professional news agency, aside from the New York Times article that published these videos a couple months ago, this was like the first time that I had seen a report that really was taking it seriously and not in a mocking tone. Because of course, this has always been covered our entire lives, but it's always been ridiculed relentlessly, right? And joked about and, um, and so it was just a totally different change in tone. Yeah. And... I guess one of the sad, well, let's say sad and problematic parts of all this is because of the change in tone, now a lot of people who are, you know, would consider themselves intellectuals, even skeptics, are taking this more seriously suddenly. And it's because, simply because the mainstream media and and people from the government are telling us it's okay to. And that just inherently is sort of problematic and curious in and of itself. It's like, on one hand, it makes sense because that pilot on 60 Minutes is very believable. I don't think he's lying. I don't think he's an actor. But then on the other hand, it's like, why do, like, anytime the military and, you know, mainstream media tells us it's now time to take something out of the realm of conspiracy theory into the realm of we should take this seriously, we should just question that in and of itself and why that is and, and how that happened. Because that's a huge shift. I mean, we grew up our whole lives, Abby you know, with this as sort of a very fringe belief, even though a lot of Americans and Poles believe in UFOs and aliens, it's still considered the realm of like kooky thinking and, you know, silly kind of fringe type conspiracy people. 
Absolutely. I mean, the fact that two entities that are kind of notorious for lying, right, manufacturing consent for war, for fulfilling an imperialist agenda, um, for subjugating people at home and abroad, it is curious to now have these entities normalizing something that used to be so fringe and basically just kind of placating everyone being like, it's okay to talk about this now. And in fact, beyond being okay to talk about, it's now something that is potentially threatening and that we need to take seriously as a national security issue. Um, as a result of this rollout, this mainstream rollout of the UFO narrative, uh, there has been, I think you just mentioned when before we started recording, that there now has been authorization to budget uh, to study, quote-unquote, study this phenomenon. And also, you know, the Pentagon has been redirecting resources. Uh, millions of dollars. Millions of dollars now. Um, so this is this is happening, and we just don't know where it's going to go. That's that's the key here is where are they going to take this? But it is just absolutely fascinating and perplexing and baffling that the mainstream media is treating this seriously, and the fact that the intelligence community, as well as like several high-profile politicians like Obama, and then you have intelligence chiefs, you know Brennan, Woolsey, yeah, people Woolsey. like that, going out, rolled out, basically saying this is real. This is something we need to take seriously and basically saying we don't know what it is, Yeah. even though they hint toward adversaries as being behind it. It's still just this giant unknown. And, you know, you and Whitney just did this really comprehensive breakdown on Unlimited Hangout about this. But so many great points were made that I want to bring up here. Just I mean, the main one being we should never believe the intelligence community, obviously. Right. Like. It, that's the weirdest part about this to me is like it just feels like one giant psyop when you have CIA directors and officers coming out and actually being at the forefront of this narrative. Absolutely. And let's just compare and contrast just really quickly some illustrations. So James Woolsey, who's one of the most sus, dirty, deep state players that I don't know of, he was involved in Operation Dark Winter. He was instrumental in linking anthrax to Iraq he was hired on this secret mission by Paul Wolfowitz during the Bush administration. Very, very sketchy character. This is coming on the heels of him doing this uh, book about how the Soviets assassinated JFK and Oswald was a Soviet agent. Huh. There he is sort of saying, oh, no, there's nothing to see here with the JFK conspiracy. Actually, but it was the Soviets. And then saying, on the other hand, that UFOs are real now. It's absolutely fascinating to me how how that's occurred. How, like, now... You have people who are debunking conspiracies, you know, and CIA directors saying, hey, pay attention, take seriously UFOs now, like take it seriously. And I think one of the things you said is very key is the reason why one of the big changes in this perception, it's not like all of a sudden all of Americans believe that UFOs are real and they should be taken seriously. There's sort of an underlying theme here. And I think that's the key phrase you said, national security threat. Nobody from the military officially has ever been on a TV program as big as 60 Minutes or in the New York Times or on CNN saying these are a national security threat. And that's that I think that even though maybe that's not being spoken out loud on all these media appearances, that's the underlying understanding of what's happening. You just have to fill in the blanks. Any any person who's even just casually paying attention to this would automatically think that in their mind. And 
And simultaneously, I think one of the more fascinating aspects of this rollout is that simultaneously conspiracies are being cracked down so viciously yes. online and being painted by the same establishment figures and entities that we're talking about, namely the mainstream media and the intelligence community. Look at the DNI report about Russian disinformation. These things have been painted as existential threats to democracy, as being directly undermining a free press and our ability to like function in this country. Um, and they've been cracked down you know, relentlessly by all of these think tanks linked with the same characters, the same cast of characters that are now doing this. So I find that highly suspect. How can you believe those two things at once? Well, and I think you just raise a really great point here, which is that this is also coming right after them basically purging the internet of like QAnon, which is like this mm -hmm. giant umbrella conspiracy that sucked in all these other conspiracies. So it's almost like they've purged and tried to sanitize the internet as we know it of these sorts of conspiracies. You know, you can almost look at it like they've cleared the playing field away so that they could basically be like, now we need to take UFOs seriously. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying this is some gigantic conspiracy, but it is just sort of convenient how all these other conspiracies have been marginalized, brushed to the side. You can't even really find QAnon stuff anymore on social media. And suddenly the mainstream media is telling us UFOs are real. It's it's sort of like you can almost look at it like the, all the conspiracies have been shut down to make room for a new authorized <laughs> Pentagon-sponsored conspiracy. And like throwing gasoline on the fire of so many kinglings that have been just in existence for the last couple of decades. I mean, this has been around for the last 70 years. And, and one really interesting thing about Woolsey too, it's like even just floating the idea that the Soviet Union was behind the assassination of JFK also just like opens that whole thing up too, because it's like, wait, I thought this was conclusive that, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman, that mm -hmm. he, he had no outside help. So it's like, wait a minute, now this whole other narrative is being woven mm -hmm. about this giant conspiracy involving the Soviet Union. I find that really interesting too. And it's, it's kind of almost like reverse psychology. This, I think this is how a lot of how this works in a way, because it's almost like saying it kind of actually does remind me of the lab leak thing, because now all these people who were pushing the lab leak thing back when COVID first started, they could now come back and say like the mainstream, like the establishment covered up what really happened about COVID because they didn't want China to be exposed with the lab. It's almost like that's what Woolsey is kind of almost saying about what happened with JFK. It's like the U.S. government sort of covered up what happened because they didn't want to exacerbate tensions with the Soviet Union more. <laughs> you know what I mean? As if they wouldn't have just gone with that of and course. ran full speed. Like, I mean, of what? course. Yes. And I mean, and it does seem like whatever the JFK assassination was, it did have elements that seemed like they were narratively pointing towards that. Mm -hmm. that's the strange part is like Oswald does seem like he was trying to play this role of being like a U.S. defector right. who went to the Soviet Union and then all that shit went out the window. So it is, it, it kind of does remind me of other things. I mean, we could talk mm -hmm. about, you know, just Palestinians being blamed for 9-11 on the first day mm -hmm. and then it's switching out to bin Laden. I mean, there's a lot of weird aspects that we can unpack, but we're going to unpack just the UFO thing today because it's just so strange. It's getting so much media attention. Um, not just on mainstream media, mind you, but also sort of on what's considered alt anti-establishment media like Joe Rogan, like The Hill Rising is covering a lot, like Tucker Carlson is actually covering this a lot. Yeah. So when did this start, really? Because, you know, I was an avid listener of Coast to Coast 
AM with George Norrie and Art Bell. Um, we, I remember watching several documentaries with you that were disturbing and I found credible at times about, you know, former military officials and Air Force pilots and stuff like that recounting their experiences. So when did this like mainstream push really start, Robbie? Can you can you take us through that? It's so weird, Abby, because a lot of this stuff kind of just just like collides with other very popular conspiracies. For example, one of the earliest things that I remember, and I'm just coming from my own perspective here, was late 2000, or no, was early 2016, the Podesta, John Podesta email dumps by WikiLeaks. Everybody was, you know, already running wild with the Pizzagate narrative. It just became all about that. Nobody really looked in Podesta's emails for other weird things besides like code about child molestation, <laughs> supposedly. But one of the strangest parts about the Podesta emails is he talked about UFOs like, I don't know, maybe like 50 times in his emails. And he was a, a basically what got revealed in some of those emails is it was found that he was a UFO enthusiast who was constantly in communication with weird, fringy, kind of like conspiracy grifter, ufologist type people from the internet. He, he would respond to their emails all the time. You can find them in the Podesta email leak. It's very strange. Washington Post ran a headline back then um, on, uh, I think it was April of 2016, saying Clinton campaign chief John Podesta's interest in UFOs is out of this world. So <laughs> he even appeared in one of those like weird um, sort of like cheeseball ancient alien shows on like well, the what History it, Channel. Sum, summarize like what, his, what he actually believed. Well, that's not really clear. It just seems like yeah. he he believes a lot of the lore that's out there, mm -hmm. mostly about UFOs, not as much about abductions or extraterrestrials. Um, but he he's talked about UFOs, and and I don't know. That's a good question, actually. I don't know if he's mentioned any specific examples he believes, but like he he very strongly and openly has stated that he believes in them, and he's probably one of the most high up government officials that that has done anything like that until it got revealed in 2017 that the Senate majority leader at the time Harry Reid who actually happens to be one of the only Mormons in that branch of government was involved in a secret Pentagon UFO investigation unit and this was written about in uh, the New York Times in 2017 um so that that was sort of a big deal when that, I remember when that story came out, it's like, oh, that's weird. So it's not just John Podesta, it's also Harry Reid. So this is like a Democrat thing. I remember thinking like, why are the, why are these like high up Democrats? So into like you, UFO shit. <laughs> um, it just was kind of baffling and confounding. I didn't really know what to think about it. Uh, it, then the Pentagon, uh, there was other stories that came out in 2017 saying the Pentagon admitted it had a UFO investigation program that ended in 2012, they claimed. Uh, the, then it got revealed that someone who was part of this UFO investigation unit, the Pentagon, wanted to make some of the evidence public. And that really never went anywhere. And then the New York Times writes a follow-up story sort of saying, you know, we got, a lot of, we got a lot of emails, we got a lot of letters asking us why the hell we would run a story about UFOs. Like, why would you do that? That's crazy. So they actually had to write almost like a clarification apology piece about it, but still saying, no, this is totally legit. We All of our sources have vetted this. This Harry Reid run Pentagon thing is real. We know it. We could prove it. 
so they were doubling down on it, but also sort of trying to explain why they would even run with anything UFO related. This um, is, and let me interject yeah. really quickly that John Podesta, this was not just revealed in his emails uh, privately. Yeah. He was on the record decades prior, basically advocating this. Um, in 2012, he spoke at the National Press Club, basically encouraging the government to release information it had about UFOs. He also wrote the foreword to a book called UFOs, Generals, Pilots, and Government Officials Go on Record. Um, Wait, Harry Reid, the guy... Who, what, yeah. who, who was it written by? I'll look him up while uh, you're talking. Le- Leslie Keen. Okay. A woman named Leslie Keen. Um, that was in 2015, I think. Um, Harry Reid, really interesting that he was part of the secret task force because he's now out there saying, yeah, I mean, he's basically been told that he can talk about this now and that he was told to put this whole thing under wraps, which goes along with who, you know, who is directing this? Why is it happening now? Which we're going to get into our theories, but it's all just so incredible. I mean, just incredible for so many different reasons, because it's such a mindfuck, I think, first and foremost. This hits on so many human emotions. Yeah. And if you notice out there, even though 60 Minutes and Tucker Carlson, the sort of two opposing branches of the so-called media landscape, even though they're pushing it, you don't see anybody out there like doing religious rituals or it's not like contact, you know, where like there's like mm-hmm, a parade mm-hmm. of people like mm-hmm. like worshiping whatever this thing was that Jodie Foster is going to do on the machine. And it's kind of oddly a soft launch is one way to put it. I guess. Mm-hmm. Although... Trial balloon. Yeah. It's one way to describe it. But then this continues. I mean, it, then it actually ramps up. So 2016, yeah, yeah, 2017, yeah. it seemed like this was like a fringe thing among Democrats for some reason. And then this was the this was really, I think, the bomb drop. Because I remember when this came out, I was like, that is fucking crazy. And mm-hmm. I don't remember really what I thought beyond that. But the New York Times ran a story where they released never-before-seen military pilot film videos allegedly showing UFOs. And this was not only reported by the New York Times, it was reported by CNN. It went all over mainstream media because the, the part of the reason why this story was so powerful is because it was the first time I think we anyone had ever seen an official military video using like infrared, black-and-white FLIR cameras to capture what appeared to be a UFO plus audio, which I think was really the key to make what made the video so chilling to watch, is you can hear the pilots or the, the military officials reacting to them tracking this thing. And they're yep. like, whoa, like, whoa, look how fast that thing's going. The U.S. Navy has finally acknowledged that videos appearing to show UFOs flying through the air are real. They don't call them UFOs. They call them unidentified aerial phenomena. They, these, uh, the several videos they're talking about were recorded years ago by fighter pilots then in 2017, they were made public by the New York Times. More now from our Randy Kay. Images of that rotating thing captured by U.S. Navy aircraft, sensors locking in on the target, part of the Defense Department budget that investigated reports of UFOs. The program has since been shut down, but it was run by a military intelligence official who told CNN they found compelling evidence that we, quote, may not be alone. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the SA. My gosh. 
Bro, going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. The whole thing, dude. Well, if there's a like other thing, it's rotating. The reaction seems very organic and real. It doesn't seem like it's some kind of stage, you know. It doesn't seem like they're acting is basically what I'm saying. And do, what was your reaction seeing that? Do you remember, Abby, when that video came out and what you thought of it? I mean, a similar reaction to you. I, I, it just kind of legitimized all the things that we had seen previously of these documentaries that were floating around YouTube decades ago of pilots and former, uh, you know, government officials corroborating UFO sightings. And so to actually see some, an object being tracked or whatever on this military radar and having people react to it real time, yeah, it's it, it's bone chilling in, in a weird way because it's just something that feels like it's real. I mean, like, like, like this happened, you know, and there's documentation of it. So now it's a question of, well, what is it? Yeah, I mean, it's so weird. And you said this goes back, I don't know, how many years? I mean, it's it's gone. It's just like since, you know, mom was born in 1950, when she was two years old, the New York Times actually reported back then of a major UFO sighting in Washington, D.C. that continued over several days where you these apparently these UFOs would appear in the sky, go away, and then they appeared several days later, go away, and then they kept coming back. Like over the main area of Washington, D.C., this was happening. And they were actually intercepted. Apparently, the military planes even back then tried to intercept these craft. So this is a very early mainstream reporting about UFOs being chased by military planes uh, over Washington, D.C., you know, as almost as legit as you can get. Like this almost kind of this story, if you read it, Abby, almost kind of reads as legitimate as some of these stories we're talking about now that are coming out on the New York Times. Mm -hmm. So the New York yeah. Times ran this, actually. They re-released the story at the beginning of 2018, or sorry, at the end, like around the same time they did this other story, kind of maybe to show people that there's that this has been considered legitimate before. Um, so I thought that that was interesting that they would even rerun that story at all. Um, yeah, it's interesting that the first report ever of a of a quote unquote flying saucer or UFO was in 1947, as the Cold War was ramping up. I mean, it's just really yeah, interesting. Right. It's like it's like so if this has always been happening, why was it only when this kind of hostile energy or like atmosphere was being cultivated, and then all of a sudden it, it does kind of point to like mass hysteria, where people are just like all of a sudden convincing themselves that they see something that at the time probably was easily explained sure. by military technology. But anyway, it's just interesting that like that was the first documented case of someone seeing a UFO. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, and I don't know if technically if you really go back and look at other cases of like unidentified objects, you'll, you know, you might not hear people describe it as a flying saucer, but they mm -hmm. will describe it as a similar shape. So like that shape of an unidentified flying craft has been, I mean, it's been around for, there's, there was probably even reports you could find like 200 years ago of people describing things like that. 
I mean, I think、mm-hmm. there was even a story, I think it happened in the 1800s in Germany, where there's, you can find newspaper articles about unidentified flying craft having an aerial battle, which is just like absurd. You know,、What? you hear about all these. Yeah. And it was like reported in multiple papers. So you can、Whoa. find bizarre stories about this stuff going back, you know, as, as long as newspapers have been around. And, you know, you could go all the way back to paintings if you want to even, you know, find evidence of s- sort of flying saucers and old paintings. Um, but you did say something interesting that I want to touch on about this idea of that this started around the same time as the Cold War. And, you know, naturally, gut level reaction would be like, well, then that means it has something to do with the United States military,、uh, you know, or psychological war against Russia on some level.、Mm-hmm. It must be related to that, right? Well, they've been telling us a narrative. All these ex military pilots and generals have been telling us this narrative. I would say maybe over a dozen of them for decades and decades that、mm-hmm. the UFOs actually seem to be threatened by or they want to disable our nuclear weapons. And that that seems to be something, some type of activity that these UFOs do is they'll like disable a warhead as it's being launched into the sky during a nuclear test, or they'll disable the power at a military base.、Um, so that implies that's kind of almost like a, a narrative that. Can make what you said sort of go to the background because it's like, well, then that's, an, that's another explanation for why maybe the aliens came here because we have nukes during the Cold War. Like now they're worried about us. Like that's, the, that's sort of the underlying narrative, which is kind of interesting because there's a really popular sci fi movie called The Day the Earth Stood Still that really burned、mm-hmm. into people's brains back in the 50s about how aliens would become threatened by human civilization as soon as we became like a nuclear. War civilization that could launch nuclear weapons and that aliens would come here and basically tell us we can't do it anymore.、Um, and that movie, of course, it's like a, like a humanoid guy telling people that they need to stop fighting and stop using nukes. But that's kind of, I feel like that's part of how it's been carried throughout time without people just automatically going to this idea that it's some kind of psychological war against Russia. But I'm sorry, I just went off a total rant. It reminds me of the movie The Abyss, what you're saying. I mean, it, all of these themes that have been woven into our cultural psyche have, have harkened back to like this idea that, you know, aliens come here and they basically send us a warning that if we continue on this path, and, it, and a lot of it has to do with nuclear weapons,、um, that we will destroy ourselves. And this, this is just like The Abyss, it's just like the day the earth stood still. I mean, countless other examples of this theme, you、yeah. know, being. Being iterated over and over and over again.、Um, but yeah, I remember, I remember distinctly being like absolutely chilled to the bone hearing reports on George Norrie, coast to coast AM, driving, you know, hours and hours listening to these reports, hundreds of hours of listening to this, of former military officials and eyewitnesses talking about what you're saying that UFO, not just UFO phenomenon, not just corroborating that, but specifically. On or around like nuclear silos, military installations, the sightings are always like around weaponry.、Um, I remember one story that I heard of like objects that went and actually like turned off this, I don't know, something about like nuclear silos that like they were floating over and like dismantling the. Yeah, just like、um, completely depowered yeah, them. Yeah, yes. Which、yeah. is like a code red almost. Like I, I think、yeah. it's, like, it's like something that if happens to the military, if something. 
unexplained just turns off all your ability to you know launch nuclear weapons at your base or whatever that's like an emergency so so why so why wouldn't that be taken as an emergency if that were true you know if any of these stories were true why wouldn't the military immediately respond as a code red situation you mean like publicly or? Yeah, I mean both. I mean, it it seemed like it was just swept under the rug, and to t- take this seriously now and be putting this out in the, in you know, in the mainstream now, being like, oh, we need to take this seriously. Well, what about back then when they were, you know, when we were in the height of the Cold War, when nuclear holocaust was like a real, very real possibility, and then these mysterious objects were like turning off and powering down nuclear silos. Like, that's a really know? good point. I mean, I think it's. Yeah, I I'd, <laughs> I mean, I think I think part of it could just be that I don't know. I thought I had a good answer for that. I mean, it's like pointless to even pontificate about because there's so many things that don't make sense about it. But yeah, and the narrative has has changed. I think is at the root of what you're saying is that why right. are they why are they coming out now and why you know it's not like. The head of the Pentagon, it's not like Lloyd Austin and Biden are coming out and Kamala Harris are coming out all saying to take this seriously. They're not, I don't even think Mm -hmm. they've really been saying anything about it. So, right. But what is different about this is it's like being allowed to float out there. Those people aren't saying don't trust this. It's, it's almost like by the fact, very fact that it's going out of the media and it's not being challenged by any high level officials, by that very fact, it is being, it is a big change in the way it's being floated in our you know public consciousness and in our culture oh yeah it's being very deliberately seeded out without having the top down legitimization but then you have someone like barack obama going out and giving this kind of blunt corroboration saying yeah i i have no idea what these are when it comes to aliens uh there's some things i just can't tell you uh, on air but what what is true uh, and I'm, I'm actually being serious here, is, is that uh, there are, uh, there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain uh, how they moved, their trajectory. That's like, I mean, yeah. you might as well have Biden saying it. Yeah, it's like if Obama's allowed to come out now and say that like UFOs are real, then like why why are like people still so afraid to like even question like the nine eleven attacks? Shit's like the game has changed, dude. It's like <laughs> black is white, up is down. Like nothing is the same anymore. Like to me, that's just so strange that one of the more fringy conspiracies they've tried to normalize it in this really strong way, while all these other conspiracies that are actually less ridiculous are still considered like offensive. You know, we can't talk about those. So, well, once, yeah, once James Woolsey and Michael Hayden <laughs> tell us it's okay to question 9 11, maybe we'll see people stop ridiculing it. Unbelievable, dude. What a crazy ass time that we're living in. What a topsy turvy fucking world. QAnon is in an alternate lane of reality, but UFOs are now being like, here you are. Take it how you will. Like, n- like no answers. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are we supposed to do with this information? <laughs> And the media even, like, changes the way that they talk about this, uh, like, only three years ago. I mean, they were actually bashing, uh, there's an article in Vice, there was an article on CNN bashing Tom DeLonge, who's oddly associated with all this. He got into UFOs, he's like a Blink-182 member, and the articles are all about how he's basically running a scam on this UFO disclosure project that he was trying to launch, and then he was $37 million in debt. This was 
still at the end of 2018, this story came out. And then in 2019, we get to a bunch more mainstream media coverage about it. Slate Magazine, I think CNN ran another story as well. And Slate Magazine's headline was, the year UFOs became a little more legit. And the subheadline was, we didn't find ETs in 2019, but the U.S. government did become a little more chatty about flying saucers. And so it starts to kind of, you know, amp up a little bit more. And then I think this was a big game-changing moment was Joe Rogan's show started to become more of a vehicle for UFO-type stuff. A lot of UFO guests were coming on the Joe Rogan show. And the two most notable appearances on his show was one by Bob Lazar, who you and I are very familiar with, the classic, you know, so-called Area 51 whistleblower who claims he flew UFOs and used Element 115. And it's a very extremely elaborate, crazy-sounding story. Guy's been around forever in the UFO scene. He appears on Joe Rogan with a filmmaker named Jeremy Corbell, who's sort of kind of like an Alex Jonesy conspiracy guy in the UFO movement. He's made several documentaries. And Robert Lazar, Bob Lazar, is getting a migraine in the appearance every time Joe tries to push back and challenge him too hard on some of his uh, statements. You know, it's kind of a frustrating interview to watch. I don't really know what to make of Bob Lazar. I don't believe a lot of what he's saying, obviously, but it's still very fascinating how he makes it sound believable. So I don't know what's exactly going on with him. You know, if he's there to like throw people off the trail of what's actually going on in Area 51, I don't know what to make of him. But anyways, mm-hmm. it was I thought it was odd that Joe would even bring on Bob Lazar around the time period of 2019. But it actually made more sense when David Fravor, the pilot who later appears in the 60 Minutes special, comes on Joe Rogan uh, with, again, Jeremy Corbell, the same UFO filmmaker, documentary filmmaker who came on with Robert Lazar. Hold on, let's explain really quickly who Bob Lazar is. He is basically a guy who claims to have been hired in the 80s not at Area 51, but a secret site called S4, which is like in the same, I guess, compound. Um, and then he says that he was basically hired to reverse engineer uh, alien technology. Actually, nine uh, flying saucers, flying discs uh, that are out there of extraterrestrial origin. The live interview with the shadowy Dennis drew international attention. Portions were broadcast by radio in six European countries and in a nationally televised TV special in Japan. Despite numerous inquiries and feelers, Dennis has remained anonymous until now. His real name is Robert Lazar, a young scientist with eclectic interests. The choice of Dennis was an inside joke. He says that's the name of his superior at Groom Lake. It wasn't a joke to Dennis. He called right after and he said, do you have any idea what we're going to do to you now? And I, I said, well, no. He hung up the phone. Right, this, this came from somewhere else. I mean, as bizarre as that is to believe, but I mean, it's there. I saw it. I know what the current state of the art is and in, in physics, and it's, it can't be done. Uh, they run gravity amplifiers. There's actually two parts to the drive mechanism. Uh, it's just, it's a bizarre technology. There's no physical hookup between any of the systems in there. Uh, they use gravity as a wave using waveguides, almost like microwaves. What's going on up there could be the most important event in history. You're talking about contact, physical, <laughs> physical contact and proof of, from another, another system, another planet, another intelligence. That's, 
got to be the biggest event in history, period. And it's real. And it's real and it's there. And uh, I had a, an extremely small part in it, but I'm convinced that what I saw is absolute proof of that. There is, there is no way we could have created those systems. There's no way we could have made the disks, the power supplies, anything to go with them. And this guy that he brought on with him, this guy that you're talking about who's been on Joe Rogan several times, Jeremy Corbell, says that like this guy has collected like a dozen or so specimens. Not aliens, but like the craft specimens. It's just really out yeah. there shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, on one hand, you could be like, oh, Joe is just becoming more open to like UFO stuff. He's just sort of, you know, he's finding that entertaining right now. But on the other hand, this was all part of a sort of a larger you know, uh, media push to get all this stuff out there. And David Fravor in particular, I think really started to move the needle. You know, these other stories, that video of the, that the military uh, released to the New York times, that stuff, you know, moved the needle a little bit. It was just confounding. It was bizarre. But I think this is what really moved the needle is David Fravor for the first time, uh, you know, talked all about what he saw. And he claims that he saw a Tic Tac shaped UFO look like some kind of white round cylinder. Uh, basically, the, him and another pilot saw a mysterious water disturbance, like white water sort of, you know, churning on the surface of the ocean and like a, a, a like a circle shaped sized object. And they watched this sort of disturbance forming on the surface of the ocean. He says until what he described as a flying white tic tac that appeared to have like no friction and no like propulsion, like flying like anything that we understand the laws of physics comes out of this water disturbance and actually starts to like mimic his flights, flight maneuvers. Like he's barreling towards it from a high altitude and then he sees, he claims the Tic Tac starts to fly directly towards him, like trying to match his speed and like meet him. And like that's when he... And to him, it felt like it was must have been some kind of intelligent, intelligently controlled craft of some kind. But then it basically, he describes, disappears after that. It it doesn't necessarily even fly off. He didn't even see it fly off. It, it just seemed like it went so fast in a blink of an eye, it was gone. So there's really no nothing in reality or any vehicle or craft that we know of that can behave that way. And to hear a pilot describe his experience in detail on the Joe Rogan show, um, I think was a really big game changer. So that happened at the end of 2019. And I remember seeing that and thinking, wow, this is really fucking crazy. You know, how does this guy even allowed to talk about this? I remember that was one of my first gut reactions to it. Like who in the Pentagon is letting him go out and talk about this? Because that's unusual. You don't hear from any, you know, you only hear these retired pilots who are, you know, come on these like conspiracy documentaries. And, you know, David Fravor did do other media appearances around the same time, too. He did a little tiny spot on CNN, actually, that didn't really get much attention. Uh, I forgot. Oh, he also appeared in a Vice special talking about it. But, you know, your parents probably wouldn't have seen those little spots that he did. Most likely not. Maybe they caught the CNN one, but probably not. So we're not going to play you clips from any of those other ones because the coup de gras the big one was the 60 minutes one and we're going to play a clip from that one a little bit later when we get to that in the timeline yeah let me let me jump in there really quickly because this was something that really 
is just an unsettling story that I feel like cannot be explained. Um, and I feel like it, it it's hard to debunk this when you have not only David Fravor, but three other people. Mm-hmm. One woman who was willing to go on record alongside David Fravor in the 60 Minutes documentary explaining exactly what they both saw. And then they said that there were two other witnesses inside of their, I don't know if they were in an airplane or, or what, um, but they were all I think all they were together. both in airplanes. There were two people in each airplane. Okay. And yeah. they all saw this and they saw the disturbance. So they wanted to check it out. And then they saw this giant 40 foot long. Oh, the, like oh as really? As big as their, yeah. As big as their airplane that they were in. That's they said as big nuts. as like a 737. And that it went up and actually was parallel with them. So if you want to write this off as some sort of like water, you know, like natural weather phenomenon or something with the water, well, they all saw it and it was rising as they were falling. And then it completely disappeared, according to all four of these people. Um, extremely creepy. Extremely fucking creepy. I mean, I've never, I've never heard of anything like that. And it like really does chill you because why would these people make that up? I believe them. I believe that they saw this. Well, that's one of the, I think that's one of the most game changing aspects of it. So it's like, yeah, it's like you could write off Joe Rogan as being a guy who, you know, hosts Alex Jones. It's like, whatever, but you can't watch David Fravor talk about this in detail and think to yourself, okay, which part of this is making, he's he making up? Who's he working for? It's, it's, it really does seem very, very believable. Unlike Robert Lazar, who even though he tells a very complex, rich narrative that's kind of unique and off and, and wacky in a way that's actually really intriguing, he's he just doesn't come off as believable compared to David Fravor. I think David Fravor is possibly one of the most believable eyewitnesses we've ever heard of ever in the history of like UFO mm-hmm. sightings that we know of. That's a bit so that's a big deal. And yeah, because there's other like there's other like, you know, like the former intelligence secretary, the guy that you sent me, Christopher Mellon, like that, like I believe him, but he never actually saw anything with his own eyes like this no. guy that you're talking about. You know, it's like there's several people that I feel like I, I believe that this guy believes that there are UFOs and stuff and that he believes the people's testimony that he heard and collected. But like this, is, this is one of the only accounts that I've like, I actually believe that someone saw this. Not just one person, four people, four people saw this. And he, you know, and you could see sort of the evolution in the way the story was told. It was sort of changed a little bit in the sense that he just omitted the other people. He doesn't identify them when he first talks about it. One of them, uh, the female pilot later comes out and identifies herself on the 60 Minutes special, which we'll talk about. But yeah, I mean, it. I I, I just thought it was a really mind-blowing Thing to watch and I knew that watching this that it was going to sort of shift the dialogue on it um, oh and another thing about the Tic Tac thing is that it the ship did a 180 in an instant yeah which you know being explained is like that it's it's not that it defies the laws of physics or maybe it does but it's like it can't be explained no, it does I mean, jet propulsion jet propulsion yeah. or like combustible engines that we understand well, I think I heard someone describe it like this, and this is probably like a hyperbolic analogy, but they're like the fastest aircraft we have in our military arsenal. And I don't remember the number of like the aircraft. It's the mm-hmm. fastest plane that we make. When it does an 180 degree turn, which it can do pretty quickly, 
it basically has to travel over half the state of Ohio in a circle, uh, like a half okay, circle so to it, do that. Yeah, it's physically yeah. impossible. Yeah, right. I mean, we'll talk about a little bit later, like what possible mm-hmm. technologies this could be if this is if this is really happening physically. But when you get to 2020, uh, New York Times, I thought, ran probably their most over-the-top sounding headline about UFOs. And that was this idea, and this was in the headline on a New York Times story. It's, it basically said that off-world vehicles are being looked at by the Pentagon. And this included uh, the whistleblower that we're going to hear from later basically saying that the Pentagon uh, is holding in their possession pieces of what they believe to be unidentified aerial vehicles, off-world vehicles. A uh, very odd uh, thing for the New York Times to run. Popular mechanics ran with this story. And what did they say about it? They were treating it seriously in the article? Pretty much, yeah. What? So they were actually conclusively saying that this unit had identified off-world vehicles. Or that, that this unit believed that it had in their possession okay. pieces okay. of things that are that they claim are so intricate that they don't know how they were made. I mean, it's just what like shit fuck? you see in sci-fi movies, you know. It's mm-hmm. so this is when I thought it got the most science fictiony, most crazy. I remember mentioning this at the beginning of like the first Masonic episode and and just I had just read it and and just thinking, wow, this is so weird that this is in the news at all. And then not long after that, the Congress wrote in a supplemental bill, military budget bill, I think I think it was o- just an overall sub- like budget bill that included military stuff. And this bill had a subsection in it called advanced aerial threats. And this little section says the committee supports the efforts of the unidentified aerial phenomenon task force at the Office of Naval Intelligence to standardize collection and reporting on unidentified aerial phenomenon. Any links they have to adversarial foreign governments and the threat they pose to U.S. military assets and installations. So that's I, I, the wording of that to me is very interesting. Military assets and installations. I mean, what installations has any of the news reported on a, a recent eyewitness account of a, of a UFO coming towards a military base? Not that I know mm-hmm. of. So that's kind of almost like throwing back to the UFO lore, you know? That right. somehow these UFOs pose threat to the installations. That shit. I remember watching on documentaries with you like ten years ago. So very mm-hmm. curious. I mean, mm-hmm. say something mm-hmm. about it. I mean, it is <laughs> it is extremely fascinating. I didn't realize that that was appropriated back during the 2020 spending bill. I thought that this was like the first time that you know it's been publicly acknowledged that mo- that money has been directed to study this. Um, and yeah, it's it's super interesting. That's why it almost feels like some kind of soft, slow burn mm. rollout. You know, this is not being done with a with a bang. It's it's just kind of being seeded out there slowly. Mm-hmm. And then 2021, in March, NBC News runs a story, totally, you know, legit sounding story saying mysterious drones hovered over Navy destroyers off California, report says. And then only a couple months after that, the same documentary filmmaker who appeared alongside Jeremy Fravor, Robert Lazar on Joe Rogan, gave to the media an exclusive video that he got. Jeremy Corbell, a conspiracy UFO documentary guy, got exclusive access to a U.S. military 
film video of a triangular-shaped UFO flying over some kind of aircraft carrier. CNN reported on it totally seriously. CNN, uh, even their headline says, UFO Navy video, Jeremy Corbell, uh, original leak. So they're mentioning him in like the story as part of the headline. Very odd. Tonight, a newly released video raising questions about the existence of UFOs. The video of radar on a U.S. warship off the coast of California shows multiple objects popping up around the Navy ship in July of 2019. The man who posted the footage is documentary filmmaker Jeremy Corbell. He joins me now. Jeremy, good evening. The footage is incredible. You can see several objects moving around the Navy ship before they suddenly disappear. CNN reached out to the Pentagon to ask about your video. Here is what a DOD spokeswoman told us, quote, I can confirm that the reference photos and video were taken by Navy personnel. The Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force has included these incidents in their ongoing examination. Explain what you believe people are seeing on this video. Right. So this is part of a much larger series. I obtained and released a series of videos over the last two months that show corroborative data. So this is UFO radar footage from the USS Omaha. This is one of our warships in a warning area off of San Diego. It was swarmed by at one time more than 14 UFOs at one time. I'll just say this again, that there's no they're not like matching these stories up in every story with a debunker. You know, mm-hmm. like they would do with like 9-11 conspiracies back in the day or other things that, right. you, that they cover like this. They're not, they're just letting it fly out there. And I find that that's unusual. So we kind of have to question why that's happening. But then I think the the biggest thing after Fravor comes on Joe Rogan and tells his story, 60 Minutes has him on. And they also have on his female co-pilot, I believe who also witnessed the same thing. And the the segment on 60 Minutes is completely serious. The guy even starts the segment as the intro saying, now we're going to do a segment that's not something we normally do on 60 Minutes, but we believe this should be taken very seriously. They sort of like want you to know that they know it's going to seem ridiculous, but no, like listen to us. This is like a legit story. Kind of like what New York Times did a couple years Mm. earlier. Bill Whitaker on Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. This week on 60 Minutes, we reported on Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, more commonly known as UFOs. The Pentagon says this night vision video was taken by Navy personnel and is being investigated. Unusual sightings like this one continue to occur and be captured on video. Last August, the Pentagon set up the UAP task force to collect and analyze evidence gathered by service members who are now being encouraged to report these strange encounters. I mean, this, I thought this is the real bang was the 60 minute special because this is the most esteemed news institution, TV news program in the country running an extremely serious segment on UFOs with two eyewitnesses from the military. Well, actually... I think maybe three. They had a couple other people in there too saying they had witnessed other things. And and these interviews were extremely believable, especially with Fravor and the other pilot. It was November 2004, and the USS Nimitz Carrier Strike Group was training about 100 miles southwest of San Diego. 
the advanced new radar on a nearby ship, the USS Princeton, had detected what operators called multiple anomalous aerial vehicles over the horizon, descending 80,000 feet in less than a second. Fravor and Dietrich, each with a weapons system officer in the back seat, were ordered to investigate and found an area of whitewater in an otherwise calm blue sea. It appeared to them that an object about the size of a 737 was just under the water. So as we're looking at this, her backseater says, hey, Skipper, do you? And about that got out, I said, dude, do you, do you see that thing down there? And we saw this little white tic-tac-looking object, and it's just kind of moving above the whitewater area. Do you ever drop your phone and it sort of bounces off the mm -hmm. countertop and then bounces off something else and it's sort of, like no, no predictable movement, no predictable trajectory. Yeah. I guess. yeah. It was just. It was just like a ping pong ball. No just acceleration. Very, very random. Acceleration. As Dietrich circled above, Fravor went in for a closer look. So you're sort of spiraling down? Yep. The tic-tac still pointing north-south, it goes and just turns abruptly and starts mirroring me. So as I'm coming down, it starts coming up. So it's, it's mimicking your moves. Yeah, it was aware we were there. You want to see how close I can get? So I go like this, and it's climbing still. And when it gets right in front of me, it just disappears. Disappears? Disappears. Like gone. And you saw no visible propulsion, right. no, no wings or anything to no. make it fly in our atmosphere? No, actually when it turned and started coming up, it was kind of like, okay, because <laughs> we have nothing that goes that fast and just starts climbing at will. Seconds later, the Princeton reacquired the target 60 miles away. So in a matter like, of- Like that? Yeah, it just appeared there. Mm -hmm. in, in seconds, yeah. it was 60 miles away. Mm -hmm. Later, another flight crew encountered what they believed to be the same object and briefly locked onto it with a targeting camera before it zipped off again. They didn't get a visual on it, but they did get this flare footage, the forward-looking infrared. So you've got the infrared image right. yes. and your eyesight yes. and the Princeton the radar. all saying there is something out there. Yes. The Princeton had been tracking the anomalous objects for days, Dietrich says they were unarmed. You know, I felt the, the vulnerability of not having anything to defend ourselves, to not having any rounds, anything on the rails. If this was, in fact, a hostile threat um, and we were engaged, I, I felt vulnerable. And then I felt confused when it disappeared. Did I first tell you about this, Abby, or like, yeah. how did you hear this? Yeah, I mean, I watched it and I was blown away by the Tic Tac story, of course. Um, the other people, as I mentioned at the beginning, were slightly more questionable to me because, you know, one of them is being painted as like this um, whistleblower-ish guy. And oh, I don't know. It's just like I just got a weird Louis vibe Elizondo. from him. Elizondo? Yeah, I got a weird vibe from him. Then it goes to Marco Rubio of all fucking people, yeah. one of the most hardcore neoconservatives on the Hill who probably, you know, jerks off thinking about, like, killing people with explosives and stuff. And to actually think of him being presented as the curious agent of our government, basically saying and kind of cutely hinting to the fact that we might not know if this is, like, from our planet or not. I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, honestly, it's the biggest mindfuck of all time to end this segment with Marco fucking Rubio. Oh, yeah. And like, he also... Toying, toying with the idea of actual aliens here. 
you know, he comes from the Navy. He has also gone out there saying that this could be Chinese or Russian. Yeah. So he's going out there saying sort of both, which is interesting. This 60 Minutes special also had in it Christopher Mellon. And he's a really uh, sort of interesting figure as well, because how many times have you seen a government official as high up as Christopher Mellon just like coming out and, and making a name for himself in the media, acting like he's sort of heroically leaking these out there. He's fully admitting on the 60 Minutes special that he leaked these things to the New York Times. So that I thought was interesting that he wants to take credit for that. That is an odd way to sort of talk about this story as well. Christopher Mellon, a high-level Pentagon official, military intelligence guy, also talks in the same 60 Minutes special about how Tom DeLonge of of Blink-182, or actually, no, this was in a different special. (laughs) But he talks about how Tom DeLonge of Blink-182 was like part of the impetus for him even like taking this threat seriously in the first place, which is just like absolutely ridiculous. So I don't know, Abby, do you want to comment before I move? I mean, Tom DeLonge, I remember I had a huge crush on him when I was uh, little and into Blink-182. I thought he was like the hot one in the band. And I just thought it was just so wild that he, he actually left Blink-182 to pursue this ufology uh, lore stuff and actually started an organization. Um, I forget what it was called, but it's like an actual agency that, you know, got, I guess, millions of dollars like in donations. I'm not actually sure, but it, it is really fascinating that somehow he is woven into this with actual Pentagon officials being like, I was inspired by the guy from Blink-182. Like, I, it, it's just completely bizarre. Completely bizarre. Oh, it's called it's called To the Stars Academy. Okay. And and he and he also claims like in a Rolling Stone interview that he yeah, like he was responsible for the gimbal video being released too, which is an, which is I think another one, if I'm not mistaken, that was featured in the sixty minutes documentary. Yeah, let's just think for a second how ridiculous this is. That we're <laughs> sort of being told to take this story seriously, take it at face value. They're also including in the mix Tom DeLonge of Blink-182 and like a conspiracy filmmaker guy who's kind of like Alex Jonesy. He's released several conspiracy docs about UFOs that are very disinfo-y, you know, not very credible at all. So why would they want to be associating themselves with this guy who could be discredited or rather two people who could be discredited? Tom DeLonge did seem to be running some kind of scam. He was, that his little thing got him like $37 million in debt, apparently. Mm-hmm. Just seems odd to associate themselves with those people if they wanted the public to take this seriously. So that's strange, that they're baking in things that could be easily discredited or laughed at by people if they wanted to. So this 60 Minutes special sort of concludes with this idea that The Pentagon is taking this so seriously that they've been actually working on a report about this, and they're going to release it publicly. And so in June, earlier this month, the Pentagon does release their report about UAPs, which which mean uh, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, I think. Yes. It's like the new acronym instead of UFOs. And the report essentially concludes, and the New York Times again runs the story, saying, U.S. finds no evidence of alien technology and flying objects, but can't rule it out either. I mean, come on, like, what the fuck? And 
And then NPR runs a story saying how UFO sightings went from conspiracy theory to a serious government inquiry. So they're sort of bringing you, you know, along for the last few years, like we just did, explaining to you why UFOs need to be taken seriously now. So, so now we're here, where they've released a report saying you can't rule out alien technology. Um, the only debunker they put in the media to knock these stories down is like a guy who's really poor at his job. I think of his his guy, his name is Mick West, and I don't think he's a particularly good or strong debunker. It doesn't even seem like he tries that hard. He didn't even address any of the eyewitness statements by these people. He didn't like debunk their actual eyewitness statements to try to explain what they saw instead of an actual flying Tic Tac. He just sort of debunked the videos and said, you know, tries to explain them, write them off as being really simple explanations. But I think there's a lot more to this than just the videos. I mean, I think that the pilot's testimony is one of the strongest components to this. I mean, yeah, no, I did watch a lot of the debunking stuff, too, because I want to see what they're saying. Um you know, it, it they try to explain it away as like birds or weather phenomenon or just just um, optical illusions, and a lot of that just doesn't make sense for various reasons. I I don't want to get into it, but I encourage people to check out both things that we're talking about and make up your own mind. But yeah, I mean, just the velocity and like temperature of of what they're capturing and tracking on the radar doesn't add up and to just- what this other guy's explaining. Well, yeah, and just also think of the concept of they believe they're seeing a water disturbance. They could see that from whatever their vantage point was in the aircraft. I don't know exactly how high they were up in the air or how they were seeing this, but that's what they said they were seeing. And then something flew out of it, out of the water. There is no craft that you can, there, there's nothing in technology even close to being able to perform like that. Now, to come out of the water and start flying, even a, a craft that can sort of hover and then fly at incredibly high speeds, it needs a lot of time to get to that. Oh, yeah. And how like basically, yeah, there are crafts that can go into water and fly. But the thing is, you have to compromise the function of either or like it wouldn't just be like seamless to be able to be underwater, then fly up and like disappear. It's like it would compromise the function of one component of that in order to do all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so that's what's just super bizarre. But another weird thing about the 60 minutes thing and one of these other military guys who said that he's seen, I think it was the gimbal video. I'm not sure if it was, but it was one of the ones that they're tracking real time and you can see people reacting to it. And he was just like asked by the interviewer, you know, have you ever seen anything like this before? And he's like, yeah. And he literally says, I see things like this every day for at least a couple of years and it's like, hold on, hold on. That's when that's when actually my bullshit detector went off because I was like, what what are you talking about, dude? Like everyone has smartphones. Everyone ha- we have advanced satellite technology with Google Earth. You can zoom in on a fucking like person walking down the street and you're telling me that this guy sees stuff like this quote unquote every day for at least a couple of years. There's no high quality, high resolution documentation of any of these objects and including one that he claims was floating for 11 hours out in the middle of the ocean. Great point. Like, so what is going on there? That's an incredibly good point. It's like, why are they only releasing these really grainy videos? Even the one that I think Jeremy Corbell put out to the media, it looks like someone filming a screen with their cell phone camera and stuff. (laughs) So it's not only is it already a grainy, 
like infrared video to begin with. It's not even a direct copy of it. So right. you do have to ask the question, why all of a sudden are they telling us to take this so seriously when really nothing has fundamentally changed with the new evidence we've been given except for some of these videos we, we have been confirmed have come from the Pentagon? 100% right. confirmation. That's right. the main difference. Other than that, we've already heard from pilots, military mm. officials, retired ones over the years who've said similar stories to Fravor. But for some reason, yeah, they, they want us to take these grainy videos, these statements from military officials very seriously this time. And that is interesting. Why isn't the media bringing up that question? They would have brought mm. up that question. You know, that's like, that's something that's common sense to be like, how come with the millions of cell phones that are in the world right now, nobody has taken a high resolution 4K video of this? You know, like iPhones have 4K cameras now. Like what's right. going on there? Right. And then I guess one of the explanations, maybe one of these military people or someone who takes everything at face value might say is, well, these things are somehow in these areas of the planet where there's they're very unpopulated, there's only military is around there, like flying around to see these things. They're yeah, only in why? very high altitudes. That makes no sense too. It's like, why why don't they just go in the middle of a giant city? That's why the Phoenix Lights thing was so bizarre because it was like the only case that actually was filmed in mass, thousands mm -hmm. of witnesses, and it's like in the middle of a fucking populated city when literally almost every single other UFO sighting or eyewitness account is always isolated out in the countryside, out in just remote areas where there's essentially no corroboration other than like the person who sees it. it it's peculiar. Well, it is peculiar. And it's also, I mean, again, it, it could fit in that still is compatible with overall UFO lore because mm -hmm. connected with all the UFO sightings over the years has been this narrative that there's been all these abductions and that and that aliens are somehow secretly kidnapping people and putting bringing them on a ship and doing experiments on them and then bringing them back home so that in of itself lends to this idea that somehow these aliens operate in stealth they don't want people to know they're there, there there's this narrative that this belief that people already have that aliens who are visiting us don't want us to know they're here and mm -hmm. that they are deliberately operating in stealth. So you could link that concept of like abductions being done in secret with this idea that UFOs fly and operate in ways that are like undetectable by cameras or that they know how to avoid being detected. That's, that's, you could sort of, I could see one of those people making that argument, you know, but it's still, mm -hmm. you're completely right. Why, why would the mainstream media be taking this at face value without that? standard of having a higher resolution, clear video of something. Instead, they're just trusting that these videos show what they, you know, are saying. I mean, that is very unusual. It, it is very unusual. Uh, and it kind of goes, it goes against the other folklore aspect of this, which is that aliens are trying to warn us that, you know, they want us to know that we're destroying the planet and all that's like, okay, well then fucking beam into New York City and you know, just have yeah. an unequivocal, like telepathic message sent to millions of people simultaneously that no one can question. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. so, so why just piecemeal these random people? It's, it, you know, it's like, it's just such a bullshit when you think about it that way. Yeah, Obviously. it is. And it, even I think just the concept of that aliens, 
like extraterrestrial creatures would come here in some kind of vehicle or ship mm -hmm. to visit us mm -hmm. is a very human concept that I think that once we get more technologically advanced will almost seem silly to us. We'll be like, yeah. can you believe that's what we used to think that like aliens would come visit us in like a spacecraft? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like this is how we do <laughs> shit now. We like project our like soul like digitally like through like, you know, across the universe. Like we don't actually go there. Like are you yep. kidding me? I mean, so we don't even know what's capable when technology advances. So I think that concept is sort of a human concept. So I think, you know, there's so many different ways to look at this, but do you want to, before we go into all the different angles, do you want to just like mm -hmm. talk about the different bizarre stories that have seemed credible to us that we, you know, we are kind of like, what the fuck happened there? Like, what is this? Yeah, no, totally. Because I'm super, I, I'm really open-minded. Um, and I know that you are too. And we've always been open-minded. We've always been into conspiracies. And so I'm, I'm open to anything, you know, but I'm, I'm also a critical thinker. And I, uh, you know, I have a bullshit detector, um, obviously, especially as a journalist, it's like you need corroborating evidence to back up whatever you're putting out there. That's why I'm I never bought the chemtrail stuff, false flag mass shooting stuff. It's like there was never anything there. Um, but I was always looking at it. You know, I, I'm not one of those people who just completely closes myself off like a lot of these journalists do to like 9-11 truth stuff. And they're just like, you're a fucking moron. You're akin to Sandy Hook truth or all this stuff. It's like, no, I understand the realm of possibility of having government involvement in, in events that, that are used to pursue certain agendas and stuff like that. And there's layers of truth to a, a lot of things, you know, including 9-11. Like there's a range of beliefs and views that that unfortunately have been lumped into just like a ridiculous conspiracy and just completely written off. When it comes to UFOs, it's kind of the same thing, right? There's a range of beliefs and philosophies out there that range from just seeing something that you can't identify to aliens are abducting people and performing experimentation on them, you know, and like that, that's a very big range. Um, and I've always been open to just the idea of the phenomenon of UFOs. Um, but I also, you know, am quick to debunk things that I feel like are fake. And I remember seeing these trippy videos about quote unquote rods online when I was a little <laughs> kid, yeah. um, you know, when the internet was first starting and it was just like a fucking plethora of just like insane stuff online. And you can really go down the rabbit hole about so many of these things. And I remember seeing things that like the, at first glance, I was like, oh my God, what are these things? You know, oh, and Jesus. like, it was a total UFO construct where it was presented as mini UFOs, little aliens that were undetectable until you like paused a camera yeah, and actually yeah. saw these things floating everywhere and they're like everywhere around us and stuff. And then of course, quickly, um, you know, you realize that it's just, it's just basically a, uh, it's a naturally occurring optical illusion when you're looking through a camera lens, it's due to motion blur, essentially. Uh -huh. It's like interlacing video recordings that make it seem like there's a trail on a flying insect, of course. you know, when like they're beating their wings or whatever. And so this, once I realized that I was like, okay, like now I'm just like, I don't, you know, you're, you're not inclined to just immediately believe whatever you see online. I was really young to, in my defense, but, um, you know, once I saw it debunked, I guess it just made me more cynical. Of course, all the stories of, you know, on coast to coast, I always found super fascinating. I have experienced, um, things that I can't explain, you know, especially, seen a ufo myself i sound like dennis kucinich 
Um, seeing a UFO myself, I remember uh, it was New Year's Day. I don't remember the year I was living in San Diego, and I know I was not on drugs. No, I was not drunk or hungover or anything. And I was just, well, maybe a little bit hungover. But I'm sitting there on the curb in front of my house, broad daylight, and I'm just looking up, and I saw a giant boomerang shape, silver, looked like aluminum foil, and it was shining. And it was basically closer to me, obviously, than the sun, but big enough where it looked, I mean, it was definitely like in our atmosphere, you know, and it was just stationary for about 30 minutes. And I just, I remember like asking people that I knew, like my neighbors, like, do you see this? And they're just like, oh, it's just like a satellite or, oh, it's just probably something going on with like the military today. And I was just like, but what, but what, what is it? You know, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of military bases in San Diego, but I remember looking uh, just online for hours and hours trying to find out what the source of this was. And it was just completely unexplained, you know, and like Creepy. no one really seemed to care and everyone just wrote it off like, oh yeah, it's just probably this because we weren't, you know, we were in an area where there were bases. Um, and I'm sure it probably was, but it just really creeped me out. Cause I was just like, this is, this is something that I saw, you know, this is, I didn't make it up. I saw it. I still can't explain it to this day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, beyond that, there are so many bizarre instances, namely the one that you told me about recently, Robbie, um, the 62 school children in Zimbabwe who saw a simultaneous vision um, that was uniform. Um, and, and we can talk about that as well. But do you have any personal experiences or like what was your experience first learning about UFOs as a child? Well, I mean, I, I've always been terrified of the concept. I remember... I, I was, you know, I, I probably didn't start watching like straight up horror movies, like gore, you know, horror movies until I maybe was like 13, 14 or something and being able to like stomach them. But I remember I was still really actually genuinely scared even at that age by like you, certain UFO or like alien things like I would see on TV. And mm -hmm. I remember specifically seeing the Christopher Walken um, TV movie of Communion which was sort of one of the first science fiction or science fact uh, fiction books, which was supposed to be like a true story of like a real abduction that happened to this guy. And it scared the absolute living shit out of me. Early X-Files terrified me. I remember first watching mm -hmm. the X-Files in sixth grade. So that to me was some of the scariest stuff in culture it was the stuff about the gray aliens, the abductions, I mean, Fire in the Sky, I probably saw when I was in seventh grade, the story about Travis Walden, absolutely terrifying, based on a true story um, in 1975 in Arizona, a bunch of loggers who were working on a logging job uh, out in the middle of a forest. Uh, at night, they sort of saw what they thought was like a forest fire in the distance, um, this like big red glow. And as they drove towards it to check out what it was, they noticed that it was basically coming from a floating object, like a sphere, like floating off the ground. So one of the guys named Travis Walden on this logging job gets out of his truck, walks towards it, and seven witnesses who also saw this watch Travis Walden get stunned by some kind of like energy beam or something from this floating object. And so they drove off thinking that he had been basically killed by whatever just mm -hmm. happened. So when they get home, uh, Travis Walden is still missing. He's a missing person. So the police get involved. They investigate this as either a murder or a missing persons case, kidnapping potentially. So they take in all of his coworkers who claim that they saw him get abducted by a UFO. 
They all took lie detector tests, and with the exception of one of the guys took a lie detector test, there was no signs of deception on any of the other lie detector tests. And they all described him the same scenario, that they watched their coworker Travis Walden, be stunned by some kind of energy beam from a floating sphere, and then, and then that's what they all saw. And they all so they didn't see him get sucked into the sphere. They just saw him get no. stunned, and then they all fled. Yeah. But then when Travis Walden comes back of his own volition, tells a completely over the top story of him being taken into a UFO, him being shown specimens of human beings that looked like perfect, like flawless specimens of human beings, like like chiseled, like marble, like Michelangelo <laughs> style. And this is what really fueled the panic when I finally laid eyes on these creatures. Uh, of course, you know, all of the uh, mental programming that we get from Hollywood that uh, aliens are invading monsters, you know, didn't help. Uh, but I instantly associated this feeling of, of dying with pain with them. So I was combative immediately. Uh, Where were you? I was lying on my back on a raised table. There was a light above me. In the movie, there's a little bit of striking on the part of the aliens uh, against me. Uh, that didn't happen. I lashed out at them. The one closest to me, I I felt really weak. I didn't have enough strength to to do much so when I my arm contacted him he just fell back very unexpectedly easy into the other one and I rolled off the table in the other direction he, he describes all these bizarre scenarios that are almost kind of new agey not the type of UFO stuff that's in pop culture or in the X-Files. It's more the new agey variety of UFO stuff where it's kind of like positive and somewhat spiritual, which is, which is bizarre. That's one of the first major UFO st stories that we got in that direction. Now the Zimbabwe incident you talked about, I only learned about very recently on Joe Rogan's show, like from a year ago, some guy just mentioned this on his show. So I looked it up and this happened in 1994 as you said, 62 students uh, at a school in Zimbabwe all witnessed uh, when they were in elementary school a UFO land on the back of their school's playground, like in the behind the playground on this little area with some trees and brush kind of right at the edge of the property of their school. And as the students walked up to this UFO, 62 students, they, they, uh, all of them described seeing something that looked like an extremely skinny, uh, hard to discern figure that was like skinnier than a human being. They didn't know if it was naked or wearing clothes, which is kind of an interesting thing that children would say. Um, you know, what does that even mean? Like, was it, did it have some kind of exoskeleton suit on? Like, what, how could you not tell by looking at something if it's dressed or clothed? That's a very interesting comment. And they described this little stick figure like creature running back and forth at like incredible speeds, almost like it's not really there or something like it's like, it's something that's like a hologram or something. And as this is happening, they, this many of the students corroborate the same story where they describe being what they can only describe as that as they looked at this creature, that they understood that this creature was communicating thoughts to them telepathically and telling them 
that technology is bad and that humans need to like stop using technology because it's going to destroy the planet. <laughs> so that's like, I mean, and what's so incredible about this story is that like a journalist like basically risked his entire career really committing himself to this story because it was so believable and there were so many witnesses. This is a guy who actually, uh, his name is Johnny Mack. He won a Pulitzer Prize actually doing stuff. But he also had a career in the U.S. Air Force, which is kind of interesting that he would be so committed to this story. But this went under the radar. But what's so crazy is someone went back, and I don't know what journalist it was, but an actual like documentary filmmaker went back to these students like only just a few years ago. They found about 30 of these students, and they, they told the exact same story. Their, their story did not change. And I mean, it's such a cartoonish and over-the-top story. They describe seeing some kind of alien stick figure running back and forth at like impossible speeds in front of their eyes. I mean, it's not even like a, a alien gray story. It's like just something completely out of left field. It's hard to write off 62 witnesses. Yeah. Children, you kind of tend to know when children are lying. And especially when you have 62 children concocting something and having a conspiracy set where they all get together and say, we're all going to perpetrate this ridiculous hoax on our elders, um, you know, and, and they didn't even have time to do it. It was like they were out on like a recess. The adults in the school were in some sort of meeting. It's like, how could they even have done that? And it wasn't just in elementary school. It was a lot of kids who were older too, like early teens. And I saw multiple videos that you sent me. I watched them all. It is, it is pretty much the most harrowing UFO-ish uh, story I've ever heard in my life. Because when you see these kids speaking... You believe them. You believe the kids. This woman went and actually like interviewed all of these kids the day after it happened. And they all just, she was just like, okay, just draw what you saw. Oh, dude. Like just draw it. Yeah, that was scary. And the drawings are like fucking nuts. Like as cartoonish as like the craft landing sounds, I think like the, the figure that they talk about is like, it's the most bone chilling shit. And I know I keep using that word, but like I, I can't even articulate any other way that it made me feel because it made it makes you just chilled to your core. A if stick figure like yeah. creature with hair that was very long. And the woman was just like, well, what do you mean it was black? They kept saying it was a black, it was a little black guy. And she was like, well, what do you mean like black guy? And they're like, no, it wasn't like a black person. It was a black creature that they couldn't tell was wearing a suit or naked, but it, it, it and she was like, like a scuba suit. And like this little girl was just like, yeah, like that's the most accurate way I could feel that I could describe it was like something that they were wearing. Here's another really creepy part about it. None of them can actually discern facial characteristics other than the fact that it had giant eyes that were not in the right place. Wow. Like they, even when they were looking at its face, they couldn't actually remember it was almost like blurred. Oh my like God. Like no one dude. could actually say what the face looked like other than the eyes were penetrative. But even so, it was like it never was stationary, like looking at them. This it was like, like they just Mothman got glimpses. Dude, Jesus. it was like some glimpses of eyes that were huge and black. <clears throat> Wild. And, um, and, 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 you know, the woman who's talking about it, she was just like, why? Like, it's beyond the realm of possibility that 62 children could corroborate this for decades. And like you fucking just just watch it, dude. Like and, and actually we should put a clip in in right now of just some of these kids talking about them uh, talking about their experience because you really need to hear it to believe it. As I said to Tim yesterday, I mean I I do believe the children saw something. 
Um, I personally wasn't out there. But my only main concern is the um, fact that the imaginations might well get carried away. Yes, but even then, something must actually be made to see something, yes. That we couldn't explain what it was. Can you just tell me very briefly, if we go along, just say what your name is and what what you saw. Nathaniel Coxall. What did you see? I, there was a select ship landed on the ground. Um, Why do you say ship? Did it have a shape? Yes. Like what? It was... It had a, a long top and it was flat at that side. Oh, just around the side. Just a, um, so like a platform coming on the platform. side. Did you see anything else? Yes, we saw a black man running around. Just a little man or what? From where we looked, he was about this small, but we were quite way away. So he was about our size. Could you see his face? No. What is your name? <coughs> My name's Luke Mel, and I didn't see the spaceship, but I saw the little black guy. He looked. He was all black and it looked like he had long hair. Could you see his face? No. no just just in the black, what was he wearing? Uh, it just looked like he, he had long hair. Long hair and he was and, all black. But he yeah. wasn't naked? No. Yeah. What did he have on? No, that's all, that's all he could see. Oh, you could only black. see that? Yeah. Why? Was he among the trees? It's just about like a shadow. I just saw a shadow coming. What is your name? Trevor Bond. Oh, and you also saw the, this yes, we were all there. creature? Yes. What did you think it was? Um, I don't know, really. Did you see the thing, whatever it was, land? Yes, um, after the bell rang, um, I was, I was walking up to the car, <coughs> and I just saw flashes inside of my eye, and... That's really what I also. But you didn't see anything on the ground? No, I saw it the, just the, the shadow. Yes. What's your name? I I I'm Daniel Mandy and, and I saw this this silver thing in, in amongst this clump of, of trees with this one thing sitting on, on the side and another thing sort of like running up and down the, the top. When you say thing, was it a form of some sort? Yeah, it al it almost looked like a real person, except it was fairly plump. Sort of one big one with quite a few little ones well. all scattered around. When you say you have big eyes, show me with your hands the size compared to They were oval, kind of like that. Oval? Yes. And could you see anything else on the face? No, I couldn't. All I could see was his hair and when he turned around and then he... Were you afraid? Yes, I was. What did you think it was? You asked me what experiences I had myself. I forgot to mention that, I mean, the first time I did DMT, I was I was convinced that I actually, like, went somewhere else. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm still kind of convinced I did. I mean, it, it's... It was such a powerful experience, it immediately made sense to me afterwards how people could believe they've been abducted by aliens or how people could believe that they've had experiences where God came down and spoke to them. It made sense to me how that was even possible. 
like that people could imagine that they've had those experiences. So I can understand the general concept of it. So I feel like, you know, there might even be something in the brain. And this is just one weird thought that comes to my mind that like... Like a DMT release accidentally or something? Like not even accidentally, but what if there is some kind of weapon or military technology or experimental technology that can actually maybe even release DMT into your system or can do something to your brain which Mm -hmm. can make you have a hallucination. And I do think that people, not that you can technically probably have like a Freddy Krueger style dream where you'd all be like having the same dream or Mm -hmm. delusion at once, but that your descriptions of it and your, that's like the co- influence of the different people all in a hallucinatory state together can make your yourself so malleable that you might just think you've shared a delusion with a bunch of people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that might be part of the delusion in of itself. Like you might, you might believe and your descriptions might match up enough with other people who are also hallucinating on some powerful psychedelic drug is what I mean. I mean, I've had weird experiences even with other people where you know, I remember even saying once, and this is going to sound make me sound really crazy, that uh, that I saw um, I saw a frog on the wall uh, while I was mm-hmm. on acid once, and I remember telling my friend, "Hey, I'm seeing like a cool frog thing on the wall," and he's like, "And he's like, oh yeah, like I'm seeing it too," and I was like, "What are you talking about? I mean, you're seeing it too." So he drew it on a piece of paper and it looked exactly no like what I was seeing what? in real time, and I was like, "Dude!" At, so at that point, I was like, "Did I just imagine?" retroactively that that's what I was seeing and it matched up with what he was drawing or am I just in such a malleable state right now I, I've imagined that he and me and him are linked our hallucinations are linked it was such a weird experience that I can imagine how that's possible so all I'm saying is having an imagined shared delusion of some kind and you know what's so bizarre about all this is right now we are being told the UFOs are real Take them seriously. They're potentially a threat. We're also being told after like two to three years of being told that like crickets made U.S. people at U.S. embassies deaf (laughs) and like have headaches, that now it's gone from that to no, we know for sure now that these are microwave weapons. The Intercept is reporting this. This is in NBC News. This is in all the tech magazines that the Pentagon is now saying that there are microwave weapons and that they are being used on our intelligence assets and diplomats to actually cause brain damage, which they're now claiming a CIA agent experienced permanent brain damage from some kind of microwave weapon fired at his brain from an unknown entity. And they even have gone as far as saying now, Abby, that this is being done domestically, that whoever is running these microwave weapons is using them inside the United States now to hurt our diplomats. And that's yeah. that's fucking crazy that that's now being normalized too. Two senior CIA agents believe they were targeted with a sophisticated microwave weapon while they were visiting Australia late last year. It's been reported the pair may have been attacked as part of a global campaign by Russia that's left American spies and diplomats suffering from mysterious brain-related illnesses. Political reporter Noor Haider joins us now from Parliament House in Canberra. Noor, g'day. Yeah, pretty bizarre story. Take us through what's happened. 
Yeah, good morning, Joe. It is a fascinating story. Uh, America's GQ magazine reports th that a pair of uh, US CIA agents, uh, including one of the agency's most senior members, travelled to Australia late last year for a clandestine meeting with Australian uh, security officers. Now, while they were in their hotel room, both of the agents experienced um, sort of pressure on their head. Uh, they reported hearing a strange noise and a ringing in their ears. Both both of them also became nauseous and dizzy. Now, their symptoms are consistent with what's known as Havana syndrome. This was first documented back in 2016 by American diplomats in Cuba. At the time, about two dozen diplomats uh, complained about hearing strange noises, um, experiencing vertigo. Some of the kookiest conspiracy narratives in the world are both being normalized by the Pentagon right now including this idea that you can be electronically targeted and given brain damage with an invisible laser beam. Bill Benny was right. <laughs> um, well, there's uh, two other quick things before we before we get into the microwave stuff, if you want to get into that. No, um, that's fine. There, I, there was another that. really crazy... When I was looking up research for this episode, because I remember one of the documentaries we saw like decades ago talked about, you know, the Canadian ex-defense minister... Um, and how he basically goes really fucking far. Um, what's his name? Paul Heller. And he, he's gone super far because he was like the first actual government official that was very credible, you know, was the defense minister for several years in the sixties. He came out and said, not only are UFOs real, but like we have, we have come into contact with aliens. Fucking I mean, he crazy, just sounds, dude. he sounds completely off the fucking wall um, when you look at these interviews with him, but like, it is just super creepy. The fact that this guy was in the government and he is saying this and he says that he has evidence that he has corroborations with all of these top military officials and generals and that he like knows for a fact that this is true and goes into great detail about like the different compositions and different like alien races and stuff like it goes really wacky shit. So while I was researching this, cause I remembered that there was like a, a really high up like Russian government official too yeah. that were in one of these documentaries. And then I came across this other really crazy story back from 1989 in the New York Times of like three dozen people in this really small town in Russia that all said that they saw an alien as well. I'll send you the article. It's fucking just nuts. Um, Dude. And, and like a UFO type thing, broad daylight, this alien came up. He was like telepathically communicating. He like... He interacts with this other creature. Um, all of the people, uh, all of the people, still adhere to the story. It's three dozen witnesses. The guy who's like the mayor of the town is just like this is completely real. Um, the director of like the health department like was on the like basically saying like um, you know we're gonna examine all the children. Like I didn't even find a follow up report to this, but it's just like what was this? Like what the hell happened here? Um, and then you have I think. One of the things that I still just really creeps me out because, you know, as we're talking about like this, uh, okay, UFOs and all of these things only happen in these remote areas and da-da-da. Well, the Phoenix lights, you know, this happened in Phoenix. This was an entire day. This is something that is totally inexplicable. And even weirder is Kurt Russell is apparently one of the pilots who like reported it like real time. He was like flying his son somewhere and like saw the first of the Phoenix lights. And like, this is all documented. The actor, Kurt Russell. Um, 
you know, more than 20 years later, it's still a mystery, basically. It it looks, if you're looking at footage of this, you can just Google Phoenix Lights because this was when people had recording devices and stuff like that. So it's like kind of grainy, but you can obviously see in broad daylight. And as it turns into the night, 10 lights into a V-shaped pattern hovering over the city of Phoenix. Um, just flares, Abby. Yeah, just flare. And this is thousands. I mean, obviously, it's like you see them on tape. Like thousands of people who lived throughout Phoenix saw this and it was happening for hours and hours and hours. I think like three hours and of course, they were painted as, oh, they're just flares. Oh, it's planes flying that were mm -hmm. all holding, dropping flares. None of it, like, really can be explained at all because it's like a giant boomerang-shaped object over this granite mountain in Phoenix. He said it was like a mile, basically a mile wide, a mile wide. And if it was just planes or any of these other flare things, like, why was it stationary for a mile for a mile and block it. People claim that it was like blocking out the sky. Well, that's um, to me. But here's here's the really creepy that really thing quick? about it. Yeah, that that yeah, I mean, course. some of the creepiest eyewitness accounts, and this was about a dozen people. I think from one particular neighborhood. I think they lived all in the same cul-de-sac. They described they were directly underneath what they described as a football field-sized rectangular object that blocked out all the stars for mm -hmm. a football field size. Like mm -hmm. that's what it, what could that possibly be? I mean, and then the military, of course, like you said, said it was just flares. They're the ones who came out and said that they like mm -hmm. said they were doing some flare drop thing on that night. So the video itself is not convincing. It's mostly the eyewitness, like, like you said, thousands of people saw something that cannot be explained by flares. Yeah, no, exactly. And what, what's really creepy about the whole thing is like, you know, there's several documentaries done on this and there were other unexplained phenomenon at the time that preceded this that were actually explained easily by the, the flare thing. But this specifically is not explained by that and still, you know, um, understood even by mainstream news that this is not an explained phenomenon and that it still can't be explained to this day. At the beginning, the governor of Arizona, um, Fife Semington, address this because the town is freaking the fuck out. Everyone was like, what the hell is going on? Thousands of people were like wanting answers, you know, because it's an absolutely terrifying to your core thing to actually comprehend. That's not an easily explainable like military thing. And so all the town was like at this press conference called by the governor and he basically just ridiculed everyone, brought out an aide dressed as an alien Yep. Dressed as an alien. It was just like, ha ha. He's like, you guys are so serious about this. Like, ha 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 ha. Later, a couple of years later, he did a total 180. Came out. I forget what news source it was, but I remember watching the interview with him and I was like, oh my God. He said that he believed that they were aliens and that he was just doing the press conference because he was like trying to quell his own fears. And he, and he even says, quote, I'm a pilot and I know every machine that flies. And he was like, this was bigger than anything I've ever seen. It remains a great mystery. Um, you know, everyone saw it. And it's like, wait, what? Like, what? It's <laughs> like so Amazing. fucking crazy that this guy actually like came, has come out. And he was like, I was, I did this because I was like terrified. Yeah. I mean, it's, to me, that's one of the, probably the most satisfying moments, you know, probably even for the UFO community where, when that happened, they're probably just like, yes, <laughs> it's like total vindication. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Cause it is really crazy that he did that. And then he said, it, it's like bigger than anything that I've ever seen be able to fly. I mean, that's it right there. Like, but again, it does bring up that problematic paradigm that we have to make sure people understand that, 
why, you know, yes, it is, on one level, these people would be experts in what could do certain type of maneuvers in the air. Um, you know, they're military pilots. But on the other hand, the military and military intelligence and the Pentagon have a history of lying and playing psychological warfare on the American public about what these UFOs actually are. And we already know that they've, you know, they've been doing it as early as like UFO lore has been around in American pop culture. And in um, fact, they did it intentionally. Weren't you saying in, with Whitney Webb that there was actually a operation going on to try to divert people's attention away from this phenomenon and deliberately try to discredit UFO sightings, going to conventions. They were deploying government officials to infiltrate these groups and stuff back during the Cold War. Well, it was specifically, well, this is even being done like in the 80s still, apparently, that there's one guy named Richard Doty who uh, was a special agent who worked for the United States Air Force Office of Special Investigation. And his his job was he would go undercover to UFO conventions and he would spread disinformation there. And But he would pose as like a retired military guy who saw stuff, but he would do it to cover up advanced technology. Um, so that's an interesting deliberate goal there that this has been on record, that this is what the military has done, that sometimes they spread UFO disinformation to cover up advanced technology. Um, so we have to keep that in mind because... Whatever this Tic Tac UFO is, let's just talk about that, is obviously being described as some form of very, very advanced technology. This thing in Zimbabwe, the Phoenix Lights, it's a little bit too, you know, we don't, it's a little bit mis more mysterious, but the Tic Tac thing seems like something that mm -hmm. it would absolutely have to be in a form of very, very advanced technology mm -hmm. that's far out of our abilities. So, so it's the reverse happening where back in the 80s, they were trying to discredit these sightings that could have been advanced military technology. Now they're trying to corroborate them and put them out there. Exactly. And that's, that is what's um, so strange about this. Um, and, you know, the, the military, or sorry, the CIA rather, and the military also have a history of experimenting with psychedelic drugs and psychedelic weaponry. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the U.S. military was experimenting with uh, BZ and trying to figure out how to make it a gaseous uh, weapon. BZ is a sort of synthetic uh, modified version of like scopolamine and atropine, which are the active chemicals in like belladonna and datura that make you actually have like real like nightmarish like delusions, not even like hallucinations like you would on LSD, but actual like Jacob's Ladder, full blown like living, like walking nightmare type stuff. They were trying to make a, a gas bomb out of this stuff mm -hmm. back in like the 1950s. So who knows what other kind of shit that they have right now? I mean, that's that's what I think. If we're talking about military technology, there's just so many different possibilities of what this could possibly be. Um, but do you want to go into like what, you know, break down the different angles of why they're rolling this out now? Like why, what's yeah. changed now? Yeah. And first, I just want to sum up this section by saying, you know, in terms of like how the tone has changed quite dramatically. I mean, even high enough profile people as as Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter and Dennis Kucinich are all on record saying that they've seen UFOs. Um, but interestingly, Reagan never actually went 
on record purposefully. He was talking to a reporter, not realizing that it was a reporter. Are you serious? Corroborating what two other people who was with him in a plane said. No way. Um, yeah. Back in 1974, from a Cessna Citation aircraft, um, four people were on the plane. Uh, the pilot, Bill Painter, two security guards, and then governor of California, Ronald Reagan. And so basically what they said was an object was several hundred yards away. It was a fairly steady light until it began to accelerate. Then it appeared to elongate. The light took off. It went up 45 degree angle at a high rate of speed and completely disappeared toward the heavens. Reagan told Miller, Norman C. Miller, then Washington bureau chief for the Wall Street Journal, not realizing who he was. Um, he said, we followed it for several minutes. It was a bright white light. Um, all of a sudden, to our utter amazement, it went straight up into the heavens. Then fast forward to Dennis Kucinich. This is actually really sad. You know, as much as Dennis Kucinich was ridiculed and laughed at about all kinds of stuff, um, this was the most fucked up instance at the presidential debate, I think back in 2006. No, it was 2007. Um, during the Democratic debate, Dennis Kucinich, of course, was, you know, he was one of the best people in government, um, totally pushed out through gerrymandering, all this stuff. But he was also like totally discredited, right? Kind of like the Ron Paul stuff where I didn't even remember that this happened and it really ir irritated me. During the debate, Tim Russert from NBC confronted Dennis Kucinich about whether he'd seen a UFO in the middle of the fucking presidential debate. Yeah. And it's just so upsetting because it's like, he like reads a transcript from his book and he's like, you said that you found this craft very moving, that it was a triangular craft, silent, hovering. He's like, that you felt a connection to your heart and heard directions in your mind. He's like, so now, did you see a UFO? And Dennis Kucinich was like, uh, I did. He was like, it was an unidentified flying object. Okay. He's like, it's unidentified. Like, I saw something. And and it's just like, you have to keep in mind, Jimmy Carter saw a UFO. And I think that uh, this is, I love that he says this. He's like, a lot of more people have seen UFOs than approve of George Bush's presidency. <laughs> Who said that? Dennis Kucinich. Oh. It's just like, fuck you, dude. Like, you're seriously going to like use that to discredit him? It's like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember there's a clip floating around uh, last year where it was kind of shocking to see now where Jon Stewart was making fun of a pro-trans rights platform during that same election uh, of Dennis Kucinich. And he said, oh yeah, Dennis Kucinich, um, let me introduce you to Senator Chick with Dick. Like, what? And like, yeah, no, it was like shocking oh, to see that now in today's climate. Oh my God. <laughs> I was Holy kind of blown away by it. Holy shit, dude. So, I mean, Dennis Kucinich was just like way ahead of the curve, basically. And they were even making fun of him for being very, very radical for the time, which is now normal now, you know, post-Caitlyn Jenner. John Stewart? You're canceled. Yeah. That concludes the end of part one of our episode on UFO PSYOPs. If you'd like to listen to part two of this episode, titled PNAC Foo Fighters, Hypersonic Arms Race, and Alien Folklore Mental Terror, you can become a subscriber of ours at patreon.com slash Media Roots Radio. 
and you could subscribe for as little as $5 a month or per creation. In the second part of this episode, we delve into the unusual connections between the neocons from the Project for the New American Century, Space Force, and the control of outer space and cyberspace by the U.S. military. And if you subscribe at patreon.com slash radio, you get access to part two right now. Thanks for listening. Take care.